0: I, did that too. Oh, I done done, done. Woo! what you told me to do. Oh done done what you told me to do I done done
1: You're listening to Race Capital on the week of May 19th, 2021, with Chelsea Higgs Wise
2: and Kalia Harris.
1: We're going to kick off our Race Capital reframe with the local news.
2: This week in the Eviction Watch, there are currently 75 unlawful detainers on the books in Richmond courts. Last week, there were 117. Just as a reminder to our listeners that unlawful detainers are the first step that a landlord takes to evict a tenant from their homes. This month, a federal judge overturned the CDC's federal eviction moratorium, but agreed to put a temporary hold on her own ruling as the government seeks to reverse the decision on appeal. It is possible that this case could be heard in higher courts, such as the Supreme Court, in the future
1: we are so excited to take off our mask and now we're excited to kick people out of their homes this is wild
2: right like if you remember the whole point of the moratorium was so that people would not get kicked out and have to be put into crowded places like shelters so on and so forth or that was the reasoning behind it and so they're basically saying all right mask off Well, I guess it's okay to go ahead and kick people out. But I thought it was really interesting that she put a stay on her own decision. So that means that evictions are still halted in the meantime. But when you look at the court documents, the realtors and the landlords, their whole argument was actually based on the CDC's new advice. And so they're saying, guess what? We're going to use your own stuff against you. That's really dangerous.
1: Right. And if I was following the news correctly, she put the stay on her order because such pushback came after this decision because of the lack of the rent relief and the resources for folks. And we've even seen here locally in the Richmond Redevelopment Housing have put out a commercial to encourage people to pay their rent and list on their website a list of reasons and consequences of what's going to happen if you don't come just next month. So we will continue to report on that. A Richmond Court of Appeals ruled in favor of Black South Carolina man, John Christopher Smith, who was enslaved by his employers who forced him to work for over 100 hours a week without pay in their restaurant for more than five years. Smith, who has intellectual disabilities, had worked at the restaurant since he was 12 years old. For the first 19 years of his employment, when the restaurant was owned and managed by different members of the Edwards family, Smith was always paid for his work. Well, that changed in 2009 after Bobby Edwards took over management of the restaurant. Bobby Edwards was sentenced to prison in order to pay $273,000 in restitution. But a three-judge panel of Richmond-based Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled that he is entitled to double that amount under federal labor laws. Under the April 21st ruling, the court said Smith is entitled to total restitution of $546,000 and he is owed that money.
2: The Virginia Employment Commission has begun settlement talks with residents who filed a class action lawsuit over delays in their unemployment benefits. VPM reports, in April, several organizations in Virginia filed suit against the head of the VEC on behalf of five residents. The judge in the case has ruled that all parties involved, quote, find a solution immediately end quote. The reality is there are many Virginia residents who lost their jobs over a year ago who are still waiting for their benefits. In fact, data from the U.S. Department of Labor shows that Virginia ranks last 50th in the nation for processing unemployment claims within 21 days.
1: So last for unemployment, first an eviction, and they want to lift a moratorium. Come on.
2: And we know that so many of our listeners have been waiting for these unemployment checks that they have been owed for months, almost a year at this point. So definitely keep an eye on this lawsuit.
1: Lastly, in local news, after 17 years, the cicadas have returned to the DMV region. Yes, those giant, loud flying things are back. While we shouldn't experience them here in Central Virginia region, if you're traveling up to Northern Virginia or D.C. this summer, you may get an opportunity to hear the loud mating sounds of the cicadas of Brood X.
2: Ooh, I already saw some tweets that people in the Nova region were like walking, Someone was walking through a park, and they said a cicada fell from the tree. They're like, I won't be going outside anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the part about the nature that, that kills it for me. But you know, this is important news for Race Capital listeners.
2: We know we have our Northern Virginia listeners, and we are sending our love to you and hoping you stay away from the cicadas. Moving on to national news, we'll go ahead and kick it off with our COVID watch. The United States has had over 32 million total cases reported and 580,837 deaths. In Virginia, there have been over 670,000 cases and 11,042 deaths last week joe biden announced that fully vaccinated people are no longer required to wear a mask in public spaces per the recent cdc advice despite the fact that we are still in the midst of this pandemic yes that is right the cdc the centers for disease control and prevention
1: kalia prevention where because I don't see no mask if I can't even see the prevention. Anyway, okay.
2: I thought that was an important part of their name to mention because it does often get overlooked. Anyways, so in vaccine news, Chelsea, according to the same CDC, 104.6 million people or 46.6% of the total U.S. population have received at least one dose of the vaccine, And about 119 million people, or 35.8% of the total U.S. population, are fully vaccinated. So let's just run that back real quick. Joe Biden and the CDC Mm -hmm. have, have gone ahead and informed public policy in saying that we are allowed, fully vaccinated people are allowed to go around maskless. But the same CDC's numbers say that only 35.8% of our whole population is fully vaccinated. Is the math mathing?
1: I know my eyes don't match up with this math. I don't see only 35% of people out without their mask on. I oh Kalia.
2: It's wild. Well, vaccinations in the United States have also opened up to kids age 12 and older, which like good news for Americans, but there is a whole vaccine apartheid going on globally. And we are able to vaccinate our children while there are nations that have not even been able to vaccinate their adult populations. Because the U.S. and other countries like Canada bought up all of the world's vaccine supply locally though chelsea now this is where we it really hits home locally our governor ralph northam you know the doctor announced last week that virginia would also be immediately lifting the indoor mask mandate for fully vaccinated virginians isn't he supposed to be a doctor i thought so I thought there was a Hippocratic oath that was taken, do no harm.
1: So we're saying that our our doctor governor is saying, let's go ahead and remove the indoor mandate. And also realizing that a lot of people don't even have money to take care of themselves, much less if they do get sick because they're not protected. But this, this is progressive. I have a lot of questions. And Kalia, this is my question. Is somebody tell me where Trump would be doing anything different right now? Where would, where would 45 be doing anything different?
2: Those are the questions that I have for people, especially the harm reduction argument, because in reality, it's not like they have given people the resources that they need to be able to get vaccinated, take off all the time they need, so on and so forth. And we've just said you know, f it, mask off, like we're a future music video. And it's just really concerning. And not only that, but then Ralph, he went and hopped on a plane and went on a two-week trip. So he was like, y'all gonna handle that. (laughs) Y'all got it.
1: Well, he's on his way out anyway. None of this is going to be his problem.
2: Now is definitely a great time to continue to practice social distancing, wearing masks, and doing what we do best, which is keeping each other safe.
1: Well, more evidence has emerged that proves that Liddell Lee, a black man who was killed by Arkansas Department of Corrections in 2017 by lethal injection, did not commit the 1993 murder for which he was convicted. Another one of these stories. Well, Democracy Now! reports that last week the ACLU and the Innocence Project said DNA evidence from another person was found on the murder weapon. This news comes as South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster has signed a law that requires death row prisoners in the state to choose between a firing squad and the electric chair after a lack of lethal injection drugs halted executions for a decade. The new law makes the electric chair the default option if lethal injection is unavailable and creates the alternative option of a firing squad. Kalia, I can't even report on this. What? Firing squad. Electric chair. All right, y'all. So, this electric chair has not been used in South Carolina since 2008 okay? And the last execution by lethal injection was in 2011, according to the state's Department of Corrections, and its last batch of lethal injection cocktails expired in 2013. An acute shortage of the deadly drugs used in lethal injections has lasted years as several major laboratories refused to stock U.S. prisons to avoid being associated with this death penalty. Good for y'all. And South Carolina is now the fourth U.S. state to allow death penalty by firing squad along with Mississippi, Oklahoma, Utah, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. I- I'm not even surprised by these states. I'm, I'm actually surprised not to see Louisiana up in here. So we see the resistance from these companies not providing the lethal injection because they want to just abolish the death penalty. And we see these other states now recycling old laws,
2: tactics
1: to kill us.
2: Yes. And all of this so that they can continue the killing. We're talking about lethal injection, which at its base is inhumane, right? It's murder. It's killing. Even that is not always done correctly because it's a three drug cocktail. And that first one is supposed to like make it so you don't feel any pain. Half the time that doesn't even go right. So we're already we're putting that aside and we're going into the even more torturous types of killing and to find out that they hadn't done the electric chair since 2008 that's really not that long ago I personally had come to think of these mechanisms of of killing as like old like I thought that was something they did back in the day I didn't realize that it was like back in the day 2008
1: yeah I don't know I I grew up in the Green Mile era when that was real big and I remember because it was it was happening down in the south and you know, Brian Stevenson and what was going on in Alabama. Right. So this is very recent. And just because it's current doesn't mean it's new. Right. Alan Charles Chipman, always saying that.
2: And it shows just how gruesome the prison system is. Well a new study from the World Health Organization shows that working long hours are killing hundreds of thousands of people a year, a trend that has only gotten worse with COVID-19. Shocker.
1: Wait, working people too much is going to uh, kill them? Well.
2: The study drawing on global data From 194 countries showed that working 55 hours or more a week is associated with a 35% higher risk of stroke and a 17% higher risk of dying from heart disease, compared with 35 to 40 hour working weeks. In other words, we're working ourselves to death. Sounds like we need a general strike.
1: Yeah, we ain't working ourselves. They are definitely working us, putting us back out here in the field to serve them without their mask on and ready to kill us. And now they just got some data to say maybe it's not that bad. And I was actually having a conversation with someone in the mental health field today as uh, we were referencing some folks that might be in need of services. And they were telling me, hey, we need workers Um, right now and people just not even that they don't need to work they're just not motivated it's hard to get folks to, to do it to come to work even though we know that they are in need so just again to dispel the idea that anybody is lazy right now but um, maybe it's also realizing y'all have been working us too hard
2: and why should any person need to work 55 hours a week not even 35 or 40 hours a week to even you know to at all but especially to be able to afford to live and our team has been talking a bit about how the service industry for example and even some legislators have been trying to blame the so-called labor shortage on the workers saying that people just don't want to work when in reality the federal minimum wage hasn't increased in decades and these jobs they aren't paying living wages aren't providing the benefits people need to live and then wonder why over a year of this deadly pandemic when we were calling everybody heroes and essential workers and no one saw a material change in their working conditions they wonder why there's signs on the front of stores that say that they aren't open for business so we send solidarity and love to all of the workers that are standing up for their basic human rights
1: In other news out of Mississippi, the Associated Press reports that the Mississippi Court of Appeals upheld the life sentence of Allen Russell, a Black man who was convicted of marijuana possession for having 30 grams, a little over an ounce of marijuana. Again, the court upheld a death by incarceration sentence or a life sentence for this man who is 38 years old for a substance that is legal in many states and in the same country that he has been imprisoned in. This is why we stress the importance of marijuana justice so much all the time, because all across the country, there are black people who are locked up, some of them for lifetimes because of the racist enforcement of marijuana and drug laws, repealing the prohibition of marijuana, repairing the harm of the racist war on drugs and providing reparations for all of those that have been harmed by this violence should be the only priorities when it comes to so-called legalization of marijuana. And it's a matter of life and death. Let's, let's also just think about these ridiculous laws that say because he was in prison for more than a year and it happened to be a violent crime, if he now has a threshold and breaks a certain type of law that just happens to be a marijuana crime of a little bit more than an ounce, he is now in prison for life. Just caught up, just the wrong crimes, quote unquote, in the wrong order, Right. But, but folks really are continuing to look for justice within the carceral system. There will be none. We have to really continue to just keep our folks away from police officers and put money in their pocket so that they can build their own lives.
2: Yeah, it's why the legalization conversation for Black people is this serious. It's not just about us being able to buy an ounce of the goodest grade of this and that. It's actually about these stories of people in prisons in Mississippi, and Virginia, that are there for a lifetime, right? And, And when we say lifetimes, plural, we really mean that they are sentencing people to lifetimes of jail. And so that's why when we're saying repeal and repair, that is what that is. It's not about just the weed for us. It's about marijuana justice.
1: And remember our administration and legislators said they ran out of time to discuss resentencing right here in Virginia for people that are in prison and that deserve less time and a chance for releasing sooner because of the legalization of marijuana and these desperate harms. So we have this problem going on right at home.
2: Yeah, we heard from these legislators that they didn't have time when all they've done is take time time from people in their lives, time that we could be spending with our family members, parents with their children, time has been taken. And so for them to not take that time, this this session that we just had, it is a matter of life and death. And that is the work that is laid out for us now is the work of freeing them all so that we don't have people living lifetimes under these, these drug crimes and racist enforcement. And all of us have friends, family members, comrades that are locked up or have been locked up for marijuana crimes. Like, it's not just a, this story, right? We all know of stories that may not be this bad, but that are, are horrifying. And it's, it's really, it is that serious.
1: I'll just say, too, that right now I receive at least an email a week from a family member in, in prison asking how, this new law is going to help them get free. And it's a cry for help. I'm getting it from local reporters that don't know how to answer these questions from family members. And it is a hard conversation to have about what July 1 will mean for the folks that were inside. And that that's just what a lot of us, like you said, why this is so personal for a lot of us Black folks that are in this is because these are the conversations about what do you do in July one. Well, I'm going to see a family member, or well, I'm delivering not the greatest news right? this is not this is not a win for everyone, and we have to keep fighting
2: chels we've we know that that's that's the task before us. I just hope that the listeners that are listening understand that we don't want Alan Russell to be in jail for a lifetime. We don't want people in Virginia to have to sit in jail at all, but especially. While these companies like Altria and these big corporations are about to make big bucks off of legalization right here in Virginia, it can't be that way. And to kick off our international news, we start off in Colombia. Just as a content warning to our listeners, the following story contains a mention of sexual violence and police violence. Democracy Now! has reported that at least one person was killed and dozens more injured this weekend as protesters took to the street for the third consecutive week to demand an end to police brutality, militarized policing, and the end of fascist regime of the President Ivan Duque. Mass protests were sparked weeks ago. By a since withdrawn tax reform bill, and have been met with mass resistance from the state. The violent police repression of protests has resulted in over 30 deaths, at least 15 of those occurring in the Cali region, and has been condemned by the United Nations. There was a massive demonstration last Saturday in the capital city of Bogota following the suicide of a 17 year old girl who was sexually abused by police officers. Police violence is global.
1: Truly. And we're going to continue to talk about the global violence that's happening in Palestine, at least 232 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza and the West Bank and 12 Israelis, as Israel has continued to mercilessly attacked, besieged and occupied Palestine by air, land and sea using US made warplanes and US made bombs over the past two weeks. Entire Palestinian families have been murdered. The country's top physicians have been killed and the roadways to the hospitals have been destroyed as settler mobs and the Israeli occupation continue a campaign of violence and ethnic cleansing against Palestinian people in the neighborhood of Sheikh Shara in Gaza and then beyond. Over the weekend, in buildings in Gaza that held the offices of Associated Press and Al Jazeera were completely destroyed. As of all this occurred, President Joe Biden's administration approved a sale of seven hundred and thirty five million dollars worth of weapons to Israel. Since this news broke, many lawmakers are demanding reconsideration.
2: Seven hundred and thirty five million dollars. That is on top of our three point eight billion dollars in annual so-called military aid to Israel.
1: And I just also want to point out again that the current bombings that we are seeing are the bombs that were made and created by the United States just in the last two weeks, right? We're this current involvement that is happening across the world. People have taken to the streets and are showing their unwavering solidarity to the people of Palestine. Yesterday, Palestinians called for a global day of action and solidarity with the Palestinian uprisings as they staged a historic general strike. We have seen that from the occupied West Bank, Gaza, and inside of Israel to the streets of Yemen, Chicago, DC, Los Angeles, London, Cape Town, and so many places in between, there were direct actions and protests taking place to demand a free Palestine and an end a violent Israeli occupation. If you're interested in rising up in solidarity with Palestine and learning more about this issue here at home, there is a rally happening today at 5 p.m. at Monroe Park.
2: Y'all be asking us where, how we show up today. Today. And on that, we'll definitely talk more about Palestine in the future. But other ways to get involved or to start looking into are things like the BDS movement, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, our, our own VCU finds itself on that list. So definitely explore those connections to how even the city of Richmond is invested in the Israeli occupation and how our money is going to that. If you just put in your taxes on tax day like I did, we didn't pay it Israel.
1: What a contradiction, right? And, and so many people can say, well, I'm already doing it. Why not just ignore it? Well, actually, this is how we resist it, right?
2: It's the same way that we're saying defund the police and stop the violence here. We saw that the rubber bullets that they shot us with this summer were the same looking rubber bullets that they had in Cheek Charade just last week. And so the connections are there. The fight to end policing here, the fight to end policing in Colombia, the fight to end settler violence in Palestine. And so I really just want us to see these connections that policing is global. Settler colonialism is something that is here in our faces, in our yard, and the fight is connected. And the sooner that we are able to see those connections, the sooner we will be able to build our collective power so that we all may be free in this lifetime. And so we just want to say that the entire team here at Race Capital is in full solidarity with the people of Palestine.
1: That's all for this week's reframe. Stay tuned as we dive into the segment of our environmental injustice series, as I speak to Juniper of Maroon Grove Freedom Farm. And, you know, Khali, I'm really excited about this conversation, especially after this reframe and talking about Palestine, because what's happening right now is part of the land back movement. And this conversation is directly correlated to what's going on to the call in Sussex to show up on Thursday, as well as hearing an inspiring story of what's happening right now, with reparations in Virginia on Black liberated land. You're listening to WRIR LP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio. Next, we listen in from the 2020 burning ceremony at Maroon Grove Freedom Farm, captured by filmmaker Jasmine Leeward of Impulse Media. Hear the vocals of Nikki McMullen as Juniper discusses the land and the joy, and stay for our exclusive interview on how we can bring solidarity with Sussex. My name's Ocean.
0: Juniper, they them pronounce.
3: They them as, as well. This is not away land, this is Black liberated land. This is Maroon Grove Freedom Farm. This is Maroon Grove Freedom Farm. (laughs) Today is July July, 5th, 5th, 5th. 5th. Sunday.
1: 2020.
3: 2020. Today is the blessing of the land. Today is a commemorance of all of our ancestors, Black and Indigenous, who shed blood, sweat, tears for us to be able to do this. You know. Um, this is for them and our relatives, our tree relatives, our water relatives who surround us. And this is for you, and exactly. this is for you, and this is for, for me, and this is for, this is for everybody, all the Black Indigenous people. Um, this is for the kids. <laughs> yeah, the youth. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Ella campaign, that flower is going to get like this high. We've got some hibiscus, we've got some ceremonial tobacco. We've got some yucca. We've got some sage, some borage. Of course, we got the corn, beans, and squash. Yep. The maize. Um We got um, green dent corn, rainbow corn, and purple corn. I believe. Um, we got some seeds that people have donated to us, who have been in some people's families for a while. Generations. And we've got the mother, the motherwort here, and the calendula. Yep.
0: Think about those ancestors that brought you that joy, that made you smile when you weren't feeling good, okay? I don't bite, okay? So we are gonna bring up them ancestors. So let's do it again. I am a living spirit. I am a living spirit. I grow to be at peace and harmony
2: I I to be at peace and harmony
0: with all life vibrations, with, with all life vibrations, with all of my being, with all of my, my being, I grow ever upward. I grow ever, ever upward, upward towards the light of beauty and truth. Towards the light of beauty and, beauty and truth. May the living spirit of God. May the living spirit of God be manifest in. We manifest in. in And through me that I may be a light
3: in the service of others. That I may be a light in the service of others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This land was required through reparations. Um, And I always knew that that would happen. That's something that my grandmother's grandmother's grandmothers saw through. Um, Both of my grandparents were sharecroppers, and so was my dad. He worked on a farm picking tobacco and cotton. And so a lot of this is for them.
0: Mm.
3: We all know that reparations are long overdue. Oh, yes. 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 And, <laughs> yeah, that's... The cows, are
0: happy.
3: the cows are happy.
0: The cows are oh, happy. The cows are happy. I done done. I done done. I done done. What you told me to do. I done done. What you told me to do. I done done what you told me to do. I done, done what
1: you told me to do. This week on Race Capital, we're excited to have Juniper from Maroon Grove, who's here to tell us about an important issue happening out of Sussex County. Thanks so much, Juniper, for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, Juniper, um, will you mind telling us a little bit about Maroon Grove, and how did it come to be?
3: Yeah, so Maroon Grove, I think, is a collaboration of visions um, between me and Spirit and my ancestors, my grandmothers, who worked to the land in North Carolina. My grandparents were both sharecroppers in Nash County, North Carolina, so that's northeastern region. And um, my dad worked with them in the fields, and they picked tobacco. Uh, mainly. And they led me to Maroon Grove Freedom Farm here with their guidance through and through. Maroon Grove is Black liberated land in Sussex County, Virginia. Also, we know it's not a uh, land. And um,
1: you say it's Black liberated land. What does that mean?
3: Black liberated land is liberated land through reparations. And we know that that's what's right and what's always been right and will always be right. So
1: reparations, as in this was white people's land and and they passed it over to you all. Folks really have different conceptualizations of reparations. So I just, I want to be really specific here for folks to hear it and hear it normalized, hear that it's happening and, and hear that that's what you are living right now. So what is exactly reparations and that's how it came? Is it exactly what I'm imagining?
3: Yeah, so I got this land through um, meeting someone uh, through a small and mighty circle who knew that they needed to divest from their generational wealth that they got from their family. That was also dirty money. Um, That money was through the oil industry and they knew what the right thing to do was. And I also just always, always knew that I would get reparations to get land. Like, that's something I knew to be true in my blood. And I would say that to people, other, also other black folks, and they would be like, well, I'm not going to hold my breath for that. Like, someone literally said that to me or I got this and I was like, well, shit, I don't really fuck with you anymore because obviously we're not the same, right? So I had liberation on my mind and this person that I met is pretty wild. Um, I met them through a connection that I have a group of about 14 of us, all BIPOC folks, um, were getting money from this. Uh, It was a trust fund. And so at the end, I knew I wanted to get land with this money. And once we talked and it was agreed that, okay, this is what we're doing. um, I started looking for for land and I knew that I wanted to also be uh, south of the river, south of Richmond because um, that's where all the Black folks are at, and I wanted to be somewhere where the land needed healing, uh, like myself, so the land found me. I came here, and my white supremacist used to live in this house. He rented this place, and he, his energy um, was, it's pretty, pretty, pretty wild, as you can imagine, and when I got here, there was Confederate flags everywhere, and I had a burning ceremony for Juneteenth last summer, and that's when I burned all those flags. Since then, I've just been clearing the energy, um, asking the ancestors to help me with that energy, and they've been coming through with that. And, yeah, it's been work, work all the time, every day, but I'm really grateful to have such a beautiful gift. So, Thank you for sharing that
1: story. I think it's important for people to hear that it's happening and that that vision is possible as well as folks who remember that they might not want to be the person in the story that looked you in the eye and said they won't hold their breath, right? We are following this work and this important story. We're really grateful that our storytellers are right here. Um, shout out to Jasmine Leeward who documented part of the burning ceremony and was able to share that with your permission. Um, in a a video, and that's something that you all will be able to see on the Race Capital platform to see this visual as well um, as the space and the land and those that are healing with it. So Juniper, I was following your social media and normally there are stories that I can go and and feel inspired and, and really understand and get back connected to what our work should really be about. And unfortunately, this past week, we saw a call to help coming from your platform. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on in Sussex that has Maroon Grove Freedom Farm really now asking the community to step in?
3: Yeah. So Titan Mid-Atlantic Aggregates is a surface mining company that has a quarry about eight miles up the road from me where I'm at right now. And um, they're trying to dig another quarry that will be about a mile away from me um, and my neighbor. And it would also be um, right up along the Nottoway River. Juniper, what is a quarry? So a quarry is a pit that is dug on the surface where folks mine natural resources from the land basically looting from the land and it's a type of mining that folks do for sand yeah for different for different resources. Gotcha
1: and so there is one already there and can you name the company one more time?
3: It's Titan Mid-Atlantic Aggregates.
1: Titan Mid-Atlantic Aggregates okay so there's now proposed for another quarry that's very close to you all. Um, so what is the problem with, with digging these quarries close to black liberated land?
3: So the issue is this quarry, I have a swamp in the back of my land, right? There's pretty, there, There's this is called the Blackwater region because of the many, many swamps that are out here. And we know that the swamps have protected our people, have provided for our people for millennia forever. And the Nataway people whose land this, this is, they've had camps up 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 and down the river, up along the Nataway River, up and down. Um, and so this will be digging on a historical site of theirs. And this county has a history of aggregate companies doing that and the water rolls downstream, right? It's gonna affect my water even more than it it already is. They're saying 150 additional dump trucks a day. And this will be Monday through Saturday. So it's gonna fuck up the air, fuck up the water. And um, I have an organic farm out here. And I also, not only that, I have people come through from the city all the time to help out, I have youth, I've worked with groundwork who come out here to work on projects and to learn and be in a peaceful healing space. And Maroon Grow Freedom Farm is a space for healing. This is a space that folks can get out of the city and um, have a retreat, you know, to retreat for a little bit and process things and chill. You don't just have to do work here. You can also just come and relax and hang out. And with this core, do you think people will be able to have the same experience at this farm? Um, I will not be able to have the same living experience because it's going to be like a slow death with the amount of emissions that these trucks will be giving off into the air 150 additional dump trucks.
1: Juniper, you said 150 additional. Do you know about how many dump trucks a day are yeah. already coming?
3: I don't know how many dump trucks a day are already coming, but I live on a long uh, state route, so you could drive to North Carolina on this route. It goes through the different counties, um, going south and going north. And so there's a truck stop about eight miles up the road from me, and sometimes the trucks skip the scales, so they take the Highway 35, which is where I live. And so there's already um, plenty of um, tractor trailers coming through um, constantly, people traveling to and from work and to the Carolinas all the time, so.
1: You mentioned that there was already one there. Can you describe any of the harm that's been caused by the existing quarry?
3: So the existing quarry um, is depleted. It's depleted. Like that, I think, says everything. It's depleted. It's on indigenous land. It's extraction from the earth. It's exploitation from the earth. And... From that quarry, that existing quarry that they've depleted, they um, ran that operation for the past 15 years. But the county only saw $10,000 of that revenue, $10,000 in 15 years. So it's just not making sense. It's not is, yeah, it's just not making sense.
1: Juniper, Okay. Now we're hitting on some of the contradictions. As the harm is done to the land, to the people, that there is actually not even a negotiation for any type of benefit back into the community or district. There is just an allowance, a welcome, an invitation to continue this exploitation. it it does say a lot that this first one has now been depleted.
3: The thing is, they have like 15 independent contractors um, who drive their trucks And out of those 15, two people live in this town. Two people live in Sussex County.
1: What else do you say to folks to help them
3: understand this? So I'll circle back around even and mention that, you know, in these spaces, there's already a ton of logging constantly. I just drove past a new, like, thicket of woods that they just started logging this week. Um, Login trucks pass me all the time. They go to Isle of Wight, to the processing plant. There's Sussex One and Sussex Two State Prison out here. And then they use that to control the Black population. There's racist police. Every police is racist out here. Um, And there's a landfill also. So that's like more bullshit. And there's no grocery store. There's no grocery store. People have to drive really, really, really far to go get food out here. Yet there's so many, there's nothing but conventional farming. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a trip. I love where I live. Don't get me wrong. I love where I live. A lot of our
1: conversations here on this show are about city area of Richmond mm-hmm. and we hear the same disparities happening. And so what you're describing is in a rural area, what this looks like of the landfill, of the prisons, of the dump trucks, of the logging. Um, And yet it is not your job to make people understand and get people to understand, but I I really do appreciate how you were able to bring in the other institutions that are operating in the Sussex area and how they're all operating against any type of Black liberated space to sustain itself. How can, how are you asking people right now to support you and have, and lift the voices like folks like you in Sussex around this quarry?
3: So I'm asking folks uh, if they are in the area to come on by with a group of comrades who are coming through with us to the public hearing um, on Thursday in Sussex County at the school, at the elementary school. Um, And that's from six to eight. And I'm gonna get there early to make sure uh, we'll be able to sign up to speak on the mic. Um, And I'm also asking folks to send a statement to the Board of Supervisors um, that has already been typed up. It takes a few seconds. All you gotta do is a couple of clicks um and that statement can be found in my bio on my Instagram. Um and I'm just asking folks to always uplift and work with um just black working class communities everywhere, black and indigenous struggles everywhere. Um, and just always stay conscious of the other struggles that are happening because it's a lot going on. So
1: what is your Instagram handle for people to follow, Juniper?
3: Um It's at wetland, W-E-T-L-A-N-D underscore maroon, M-A-R-O-O-N. Very good. Thank you. You mentioned that
1: Maroon Grove is is a place for a lot of things. Would you just spend a minute or so talking about what you all do out there and, and give a picture for folks that this may be their first introduction to the space.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is Black Liberated Land. And so this is what, this is just what we do um, on a day-to-day. We liberate the land, we steward the land. Um, right now I'm growing herbal perennials that I could provide through mutual aid spaces, um, such as this space to offer accessible healing, accessible medicine, and um, education to BIPOC communities, BIPOC, black indigenous POC communities. Um, And I also have chickens who I've been donating all their eggs to um, some folks in town here Waverly, um, a family and I also dropped them off at the Richmond uh, community fridges, and they've been at the Tidewater community fridges, um, and they've also been donated to Feed Durham, which is also a collective space that works uh, with food justice in the Durham area. So these chickens are known all over the region. Um, And then I will bring my eggs this Wednesday to the Bonnicello food forest in Southside as well. So folks, come here to Decompress to hang out, to help out. Um, I've been putting a lot of work into fixing this house up. Um, it wasn't taken care of. So I've been clearing that energy, fixing it up. And we, some folks came through to help paint the roof uh, a couple of weeks ago. The roof was a beautiful rusty roof, um, but you know, it needs to be protected from the weather. So we painted it, primed it, and I'm gonna get ready to paint the house um soon because we like bright funky colors um and i also like to do cutie by potlucks in the summertime um i want to do a farm dance party soon um and yeah it's just a space for folks to get free and see that reparations are real and like feel that effect that reparations are real and possible and they're happening right now um right before our eyes so creating a ripple effect, you know, is like, once you leave this place, it reverberates off of, off of you. And I hope that, um, yeah, a lot of folks, especially Black folks and uh, Native folks, because Black people are Indigenous, um, are also able to um, experience something similar to this, to this place.
1: Great. Is there a way, if somebody wanted to send you money uh, to help, is there a way that They could do that
3: so yeah at my venmo um it's jazz dash battle um and my cash app is the money sign jazz battle and my paypal is paypal.com or is it paypal.me one of them but the ending is also jazz battle and that's spelled j-a-s-b-a-t-t-l-e great thank you
1: Okay, so you mentioned that you will be here today in Southside. One more time for folks that may be able to come out this afternoon.
3: So this Wednesday, I'll be at Fonicello Food Forest, a free food stand um, in Southside. And they have a free food stand every Wednesday. So I'll be here this Wednesday with some farm brush eggs to donate to the people. And the food stand will be going on from 5 to 7 p.m. this Wednesday. So maybe I'll see something out there.
1: Well, Juniper, we are really happy that we could have you on in a timely manner to get this message out. Um, if folks are not able to come this Thursday, or maybe they just tuned in to this week's episode late, which you should never do and, and miss this chance to um, support you all how can they continue to support you all even past this Thursday? What happens next?
3: Yeah. So this Thursday, we're trying to pack the room. Um, We're trying to get our board of supervisors to listen to us as they said, they will. So let's see it. Um, But if they decide that they want to entertain Titan, mid Atlantic aggregates, Titan, it's so important to support right now because they have to reapply for a permit. They got denied last year and they have to reapply for their permit. So it's important for us to get the board to understand why this is fucked up and why this will ruin the environment and the ecosystem that coexists here and the indigenous land that they're trying to dig on. Because if we put enough pressure on them, they might not even let Titan reapply. But if Titan decides to reapply their their application will go to the board of commission on june the 17th so right now it's it's a good time to put the pressure on
1: okay well we will definitely be following juniper please keep us up to date about what happens on thursday and we will keep our listeners in the know Um, one more time where people can follow you um, on your instagram
3: yeah, you can follow me at Maroon on Instagram. That's W-E-T-L-A-N-D underscore maroon, M-A-R-O-O-N. Well, thank
1: you so much, Juniper from Maroon Grove Freedom Farm, coming on to Race Capital today for this important message. And um, we wish you the best of luck with everything. And please stay in touch.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having
1: me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Raise Capital. Make sure you're subscribed to wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us at raisecapital.com. We'll see you right here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM, Richmond Independent Radio, Wednesday at 10 a.m. next week. Thanks, y'all.